how do you explain to people radius cowork who might not understand the concept of cowork a cowork in space? Because I imagine that comes up quite a bit. What do you do? That's actually why we named ourselves Radius Cowork. It's a little on the nose, right? Right. Well, that was because nobody in Erie knew what it was. We had to have some kind of explanation in the name to leap off from. Um, What I tell people is it's kind of like a gym for businesses. So why do you go to a gym? Well, first, because it's less expensive than buying all the equipment yourself. But there are other reasons, right? You go because there are other people exercising, and that kind of encourages you. Um, You go because you can exercise with friends. Uh, You know, somebody that comes over and says, oh, hey, you know, actually, uh, if you lift this way, you'll hit that muscle better. Or that, you know, tells you to do that last rep when you want to give up. Same thing happens here. So the costs are way less than if we set up our own gyms at home. And when we're here, we're working around friends. And sometimes somebody comes over and says, hey, you want to join this class? Or, you know, hey, man, you can do this last rep. Only here, it's, hey, I know you're kind of tired, but it's 4.30. I'm kind of tired, too. Tell you what, if we work till 6, we'll grab drinks afterward, right? And that's how you get in your last hour, your last rep. So I explain it kind of that way. Um, You know, you're you're not joining because it's the cheapest solution. Um, You know, the cheapest solution is to work at home. The cheapest solution is to work at the cafe. That is really inexpensive. And there are other offices that you can rent. Um, But you join because you want to be around these people. Great. You mentioned that you you worked at a a co-working space in Washington, D.C. Is that where you were introduced to the concept? Talk a little bit about how you became familiar with it and, you know, when did it kind of click and you said, wow, this is an incredible idea. Yeah, I, um, well, when I was in D.C., I kind of worked from cafes and stuff like that. Um, it's freelance myself. And uh, they're crowded. Like, cafes would be packed. And eventually somebody there had said, we try a co-working space, uh, someone at the cafe. And so I went and looked at a few and was blown away. It was a great idea. And I didn't know a whole lot of people when I went to D.C., so it was a way to meet people. Um, and I checked out a cool, a couple cool indie co-working spaces that, you know, unfortunately are no longer open. Um, but they had a really cool community there. And in the process of touring, I even met a guy who I had been volunteering with, his nonprofit, for years since I was in grad school. It just so happened by dumb luck he worked in that co-working space, and I hadn't even known what city he was operating in. And that was when it kind of clicked for me. Like, you can meet all these incredible people, you can exchange great ideas, um, and all I have to pay is, you know, the cost of a day pass if I just want to drop in that day, or the cost of a monthly membership and cancel any time I want. You guys are approaching your fifth year anniversary in early 2020, is that correct? Yeah, May 1st will be our fifth year anniversary. What were your expectations going into this, uh, you know, compared to where you are now? Did you... Did you think when you started out that you would have 150 members? No, when, no, absolutely not. When we got started, um, and this is a you know a never-ending joke between Bill Scholes and I, we we thought this is a six-month project. Here we are, two dumb academics with no you know business experience, and we thought, how hard this could this be, right? You know, get a space, you buy some desks, get a router and a coffee pot, and you know we'll all hang out together. He and I both had uh, full-time jobs or full-time contracts elsewhere at the time. And um, for a while, we just kept telling ourselves that six months away, we'll be done. We told ourselves that every day, day after day, right? It was always six months out. Um, Until about two years in, I realized this isn't six months out. You know, this is what I do now. And um, 
fell in love with it. And like I said, we, we thought when we got to 25 people, that would be the size of the co-working space in Erie. And then once we passed that, we thought, well, surely like kind of 35, 45, that seems like a nice stasis. And, you know, then we bumped up real fast one January to like 60 people. And we thought, wow, you know, we could get all the way to 75. And it just has kept growing. Um, did you um, did you have any reservations about the local economy being able to support something like this? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a big part of that question is if somebody gets started here as a freelance graphic designer, um, doesn't matter how talented they are, they, and many of them are extraordinarily talented, but would the local market understand how to purchase from freelancers? Um, you know, if you start a embedded firmware development agency, as one of our members runs, David Baltasavich, another um, local business running here in Erie for years, Synetry, develops firmware for embedded systems all over the world. Would anybody understand how to work with that kind of freelancer, consultant, small startup? Um, and, you know, it's, it's been a slow development, but Erie has increasingly embraced the idea of entrepreneurship, um, of how talented, independent, independently employed people can be. Um, even tonight, I'm hosting a panel discussion about how do you gain more economic independence? How do you become more financially secure by controlling your own income, controlling the quality of your product, the clients you work with, and, and how you market and, and secure um, consumers for your services? And I think that's an indicator that many people in the area are starting to understand how these can be opportunities for themselves. And if it's not for them, how they can work with these kinds of talented people. So, yeah, so, you know, hesitant in the beginning. We thought Erie had kind of hit rock bottom and was going to bounce back. It has been bouncing back for five years. Is, you know, the glorious future for Erie as a shining city on the lake secured? No, not quite yet, but that's the direction we're headed, and we're continuing to pour our energies into it. That's our responsibility. I should jump back and ask, what were your uh, original plans before this was even, um, you know, uh, an idea of yours? Uh, what business were you in? What were you? Yeah. Uh, what, were, what was your five-year plan at that? Point? So, for most of my academic life, uh, which was long, uh, I was sure I was going to be a political theorist, a public policy professor. I was going to teach. Um, in fact, I was in a PhD program in Bloomington, Indiana, for uh, two concentrations: political theory and public policy. And the area I studied was telecommunications policy. Well, after a while, you know, you start to realize there isn't a great market demand for political theorists, um, even though there probably should be. And I also didn't feel a, a strong degree of efficacy in my work. You know, you sit alone all day reading and writing to seemingly no avail as a graduate student. Uh, but I really fell in love with an area of policy, telecommunications policy. Uh, and so I went to D.C. after completing my master's and deferring my qualification exams. And... Um, decided, you know, if, if I can actually do this, if I can study policy, report on it, influence decision makers, um, be part of a uh, debate about how we'll actively govern ourselves, this could be really much more engaging, much more fun, and I, I loved that, but hadn't taken a full-time position. And it just so happened that at the time, VNet was talking about laying a residential telecommunications network, the, their gigabit fiber network for, for residential service. And I thought, you know, there are like maybe a dozen of these things where a locally owned telecommunications company is building a Google Fiber scale service for residents. I could go back to my hometown and get a little experience, learn about this. And the Northwest PA Tech Council had a contract to determine whether or not 
the Northwest PA Tech Council should exist as a nonprofit. So I took that six-month contract, came to Erie, expected to work in a co-working space. There wasn't one, and this snowballed. But I didn't plan to stay. Um, it was really only after I caught the bug of everything that was going on here and saw how much success even I could have um, that I decided to do it. You know, to build a space, a facility of this scale in D.C., I would have had to have spent millions in the first year. I don't think I spent tens of thousands in the first year. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Um, you, you talk a lot about, you know, obviously it's, it's about the space. Um, it's about um, the fiber network and, uh, you know, uh, just having these things that make, uh, you know, starting a business or being a fr- uh, freelancer a lot more convenient, cost-effective, but there's that sense of uh, that you know uh, of community. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about that. And I, how? What have you seen here from your members and how they uh, they interact with each other? I, I'd actually say it's the other way around. It's not you know uh, about this space and then it, we fill it with community. The community existed, right? We found twelve people and we hung out with them at cafes and we worked with them and chatted with them about what we'd want. And then we got a space. And we add people, and the people here decided they wanted really good print services, and so we collectively solved that problem. Um, we decided we wanted better internet, and so we upgraded that. Um, we decided we wanted you know, different equipment in the space, and we went and got it. So it's, it's about a group of people who really want to spend time together, share ideas, and problem solve. If this were gone, if Radius as a physical location were gone tomorrow, people would just be calling to find out where we were going to assemble. Um, you know, we'd be splitting up into groups of different offices until we could rent some new space. Uh, and if some of our members never even actually come in, right? They pay for membership. Maybe they stop by once a month, but they're talking to us all day on Slack. You know, it's that group when you want to go grab a happy hour. Um, you've got 20 people ready to go, but you're not in a company of 20 people. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, you know, what, what is mostly happening are people come to town, and they're a new parent. And they want to meet other new parents. Um, so they work remote for a company that's in California. How do they ever meet those people? Well, they come here. They come to a co-working space. Um, you know, the, the work that people do together is often growing their business because they can coordinate. So, you know, maybe somebody is looking for people who provide some related or ancillary service that their clients are always asking for, but which they don't provide. Well, they come find a peer here. Um, a lot of people who need web development also need copywriting. Well, we have the copywriter here in the space. So if you were talking to me about web development and said you needed some copywriting, I tell you, oh, hold on a moment, and I run back and grab Matt, pull him into the meeting. Well, now the big advantage is, you know, for me, I look really valuable because I've made this important connection for you. I solved your problem in minutes. Matt gets a new client, and I brought it to him because he was hanging out here. But the client gets their problem solved instantly. And I, I kind of juxtapose that with people who kind of go it alone, right? They view everything as competition. There's just a single slice of pie, and we're all going to fight for it. You know, that, that's not really how the world works. We can grow the size of the pie. We can find ways for us to each be mutually beneficial. And one of those is coming together and solving problems faster. Seems like there's a lot of uh, you know, d- diversity here in terms of the, the businesses, uh, the professions that your members are, are involved in. Is there room for uh, competitors? So, does, uh, how does that work? 
We've actually helped uh, two other co-working <laughs> groups get started. So Thrive Therapy Space. We had a couple therapists who had come to us over the years and thought about joining our space. Well, here's the problem. You've been through our facility. You walk in for couples therapy. You got a parade in front of 30 people before we get to the conference room, right? You know, we're looking up. We're like, hey, good luck, Steve. You know, there's, there's no privacy. It's not a HIPAA compliance space. Um, and we don't necessarily understand the needs of therapists particularly well, but they understand their own needs. It's a very special group. And so uh, Penny Porter has started Thrive Therapy Space, a co-working space, much like us, embracing all of the ethos of what the co-working philosophy is, but targeting her, their unique needs. Uh, Bill Kern is right now building the bastion uh, up on Peach Street, which is a co-working space for Woodworkers, metalsmiths, clay workers, oil painters, musicians who need a space to record, and artists who need a gallery to sell. That doesn't really fit our space. We're not going to be smelting ore up here. But you can go do it with Bill. And we've helped him structure his membership agreement. So, you know, we don't really view other co working spaces as competitors. I'm sure that in, you know, what, in, uh, Northeast? You know, there might be some group of people who they just couldn't afford the time or the money to drive into Erie every day, but they'd like to work together. If someone wanted to start a co-working space out there, we'd help them. Um, we provided assistance in Meadville to Heather Fish, who started Foundry Co-Work. Um, we've assisted um, Connect Work on Main and Butler to get started, and we've gone down and consulted with uh, Warren City uh, Commissioner Ben Caffrelin on their co-working space, and in uh, Venango in Oil City, where they're trying to build a, a co-working space, um, and an old bank, we've gone down and assisted them. The more that we build shared community spaces, I think the healthier a community is. Now, I, I leave it at this because I know I'm rambling, but you know we've lost most of our public spaces where we can exist in public, interacting with each other, without engaging in commercial transactions with each other, except for libraries. You know, and libraries are undergoing this incredible renaissance in America, but, you know, the faith communities have kind of fallen out of the center of our lives, and uh, social clubs and uh, intramural sports leagues have really fallen out of the center of our lives. And I think you, the reason you're seeing all these different co-working spaces come together is we want that. We actually want to be part of a, a group community. What do you think... Um your growth is indicative of, um, in terms of the you know the, the bigger picture of the Erie economy. So we can't create customers. Um, it, if Erie's economy were shrinking and weaker, we wouldn't see more and more freelancers getting started because those freelancers are responding to a market demand, right? They see opportunity. Um, if Erie's economy were getting weaker, the businesses that get started here, they wouldn't be able to hire. They wouldn't be growing their contracts, but every, almost every single one of them is. Um, and, you know, the, the economic development institutions primarily work on um, attraction and retention uh, and growth. We work at the nascent level, the person who's just kicking around the idea, the person who's maybe ready to become independent or maybe ready to begin something. Um, and so when you have a whole lot of people in Erie, far more than we ever anticipated, showing up and, and succeeding, it's, I think, kind of like mayflies in a river, right? You know, it's that, it's that canary in a coal mine. If these are surviving and thriving, if the small businesses are surviving and thriving, um, then we know that the community's healthy. If there are artists that are selling their work, if remote workers, and this is the big one, if remote workers 
who have taken a job that is remote and who, by definition, could move anywhere and work that job, choose instead to remain in Erie, then Erie is competitive and attractive. And what's incredible is that we keep those remote workers in our local talent pool. So maybe they leave a local job and take a remote one, and they work that for five, six, eight years. They build an enormous national network of both peers and clients and service providers, but we also retain them so that when other jobs open in that after that five, six, eight-year tenure, well, now we have a larger pool of local talent with a more national um, professional network and experience to come back into our own institutions and companies. And so uh, everything I'm seeing at this level suggests that Erie is doing extraordinarily well. Not for everybody yet, right? But we're looking at the trend. You couldn't have filled a co-working space 10 years ago. Now we can't build fast enough. Where do you see yourself as a company in in five years? That's going to depend a lot on who shows up. So we evolve according to the needs of our community. Um, You know, one of the things we're talking about now is building maybe a podcasting or videography room. So we convene a committee of members and they talk about how much they would use it and what it would cost to build and is it worth the investment. So when we look out five, ten years, man, I I couldn't have ever predicted we'd be the size we were. We are now five years ago. Um, I think that if Radius was successful, um, we probably won't see us get too much bigger. Uh, you know, a, a city of a, about 100,000, metro area of about 280, you're not going to have 50,000 members, right? Um, so, you know, I think we're kind of reaching a natural homeostasis, and instead of building the physical space, we're going to start asking questions about programming. Do we want to bring in code camp classes and start teaching those here in the city? We already help run the Erie Day of Code, a conference that's been growing year over year for five years. Okay, well, maybe we want to work on that. We want to focus on that community. Um, so that's why it's hard to say. You know, we'll probably add a bunch of programming. We'll change the space. Um, you know, but that'll happen every year forever. <laughs>